It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. When last we spoke, the still speakerless House, after six rounds of voting over two days failed to give the job to Kevin McCarthy, or anyone else for that matter, the members hastily voted to adjourn until 8 p.m. When the time came, it was clear that no progress had been made, but getting everyone to agree to adjourn for the night was easier said than done. On this vote, on this vote, the yeas are 200. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 214. Accordingly, the motion is adopted. Accordingly, the House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. So now it's Thursday. What changed overnight? We likely won't know for sure until they reconvene at noon, ostensibly for a seventh round of voting. But it appears that the depth of Kevin McCarthy's fecklessness has no bottom. As Politico and other news outlets are reporting Thursday morning, the man who so desperately wants to be speaker has agreed to even more concessions that would make him the weakest speaker in American history. According to, quote, one well-placed source familiar with these talks, McCarthy appears to have finally acquiesced to a demand that he lower the threshold needed to force a vote ousting the speaker to just one member. What a change. McCarthy originally indicated that restoring the one-member motion to vacate was his red line. His allies are now arguing that there's not a huge practical difference between this and his previous offer of requiring five members to trigger the vote. But wait, there's more. McCarthy is also prepared to give the House Freedom Caucus, you know, the wing nuttiest of them all, two seats on the very powerful House Rules Committee, which oversees the amendment process. Some of those maggots are holding out for four seats on the committee. Another demand comes from Ralph Norman of South Carolina, who's proposed a constitutional amendment on term limits. And the 20 Republican outliers also want major changes to the appropriations process. Yes, they don't want another trillion-dollar-plus omnibus spending bill. And so the deal they're working on reportedly includes a promise for standalone votes on each of the 12 yearly appropriations bills, which would be considered under what's known as an open rule, allowing floor amendments to be offered by any member of the House. The hostage takers also appear to have won a concession to carve out any earmarks included in those packages for separate votes, though it's unclear if they'd be voted on as one package or separately. But if you think all of those negotiations are just taking place among the incoming members of the Republican caucus, well, then you don't understand how big money interests control them, even as they claim to be working on draining that still swampy swamp. In this case, It's super PACs. The McCarthy-aligned Congressional Leadership Fund reached a deal with the right-wing club for growth, who had initially signaled their opposition to McCarthy as speaker. So now they're wheeling and dealing. And, you know, money talks, especially in congressional circles. And then, Wednesday night, some of McCarthy's loudest foes made the TV rounds. Chip Roy of Texas got into a feisty exchange with the Laura Ingraham at Fox Not News, and Lauren Boebert had a truly contentious interview with Sean Hannity and then went on MSNBC, where Stephanie Rule kept trying to break through all the nonsense she was spewing. So now it's Thursday, 
and we wait and see if these latest concessions by the man who so wants to be Speaker would move the holdouts. But the Washington Post is reporting that moderates have grown irate at this latest offer after pledging last month that they'd never support a rules package that gives one member the power to vacate the Speaker. So, into day three of voting we go. Meanwhile, on the other side of the split screen, we look at Covington, Kentucky, where the adults were showing the children how bipartisan cooperation works. President Biden made his first public appearance of the new year underneath the Brent Spence Bridge, which connects Kentucky with Ohio. It's a bridge that has long been an example of our crumbling, dangerous infrastructure, which will now finally be upgraded thanks to the bipartisan legislation passed in the 117th Congress. When President Biden landed on Air Force One in Kentucky, Mitch McConnell was there to greet him and then rode to the event with Biden in the Beast, the armored limo. The Democratic governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, and the Republican governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, were also there adding to the bipartisan festivities. And just so you don't think all the Republicans in the Senate are acting as adults working in the best interests of the nation, the White House did invite Senators Sherrod Brown, Democrat of Ohio, J.D. Vance, Republican of Ohio, and Rand Paul, Republican of Kentucky, along with Mitch McConnell, to the event. Of course, only McConnell and Brown accepted. Just saying. That event contrasted with the Republican infighting over the election of the next speaker, which Biden called a little embarrassing. Yeah. Maybe a lot embarrassing. President Biden on Wednesday also announced that he plans to visit the border next week on his way to Mexico City for the North American Leaders Summit. It'll be Biden's first trip to the southern border as president. Biden now expected to announce new limits on illegal border crossings, expanding policies that would expel migrants without letting them first seek asylum. This is a policy that will likely be challenged in court. He'll make those remarks today, somewhere along the border. Former Congressman Adam Kinzinger has a new job. He's a new senior political commentator for CNN. And as we approach the two-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol, a new poll is out from Politico and Morning Consult with some interesting results. On the question of did Donald Trump break the law, 59% of registered voters said yes, Donald Trump definitely or probably broke the law while president while 30% said he probably or definitely didn't. On the question of should the investigation continue, 62% said it's very or somewhat important for the federal government to continue investigating the attack, while 31% said it's not too important or not important at all. Yeah, right. And finally, a powerful bomb cyclone hit Northern California's Pacific Coast Wednesday night with heavy rains and hurricane-force winds. It wreaked havoc in the Bay Area while Central California continues to face hurricane-force gusts. Forecasts show rainfall rates in some areas could exceed one inch per hour today, which could unleash even more flooding across the already saturated region, hit with a different storm that brought deadly floods just last week. California Governor Gavin Newsom issued a statewide emergency declaration Wednesday as nearly 200,000 homes and businesses in California remain without power Thursday morning. Stay safe and stay dry. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported and I can't do it without your help. 
find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.